Well, last week we kicked off our, pre- our Under Pressure series. If you were here, Corey did a phenomenal job. Uh, so part two of that, today I want us to just be wrestling and asking this one question. Here's the question. Is it possible, is it possible, possible to experience peace while under pressure? That's the question. Is it possible? Is it obtainable? Is it possible to have and experience peace even when you're experiencing pressure? Big pressures, small pressures. Understand, pressure comes in all shapes and sizes. Pressures, all kinds of different things. It just builds and it builds and it builds. Understand, some pressure is a good thing. There can be healthy pressures. Pressures that you should not walk away from. Pressures that you should not avoid. Those are like responsibilities as maybe a spouse or or a parent, or you have pressures at job because, well, you're in that role. You have that job. But nonetheless, the pressures still build, and they build and they build. There's some pressures you probably shouldn't have at all. It, It should be a pressure that, you know what, that's not mine to carry. That's not a pressure I should be holding on to. It's not my burden to bear. So there are some of those pressures. There's also some pressures that we put on ourselves. They're internal pressures. Nobody's placed it on us. It's not an expectation anybody's put on us, but we still have that pressure. Some pressure is external. Somebody has placed that pressure on you, but again, anywhere, generically speaking, generally speaking, you seeing where we're going with this? Is it possible when the pressure builds, good pressure, bad pressure, healthy pressure, unhealthy pressure, whatever, regardless, we're going to experience it. When pressure builds, are you able, is it possible to experience peace while under pressure? Because what tends to happen for most of us is things build up and pressure builds and then it takes one thing. There's a tipping point. One thing happens that just pushes you over the edge and you explode. You get crushed underneath the weight of that pressure. You say, it's too much. I can't handle it. I can't take it. And things fall apart and it becomes pretty messy, doesn't it? So let's go back to the question. Is it possible to experience peace while under pressure. There's two ways we can approach this. We can just open the lid. We all know how that's going to end, don't we? Yeah, it's going to be a mess. It's going to explode. It's going to be crazy, and it's going to destroy, if you put in context of your life, it's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy things at work. It's going to destroy relationships, because the pressure is too much, and it just annihilated everything in its path, buckles underneath it. But there is another way to do this, though. Whoop. Got to be careful. But then the pressure builds and the pressure builds and the pressure builds and then we go back to it. Pressure builds and the pressure builds. So is it possible that we can still experience and have peace even though the pressure maybe doesn't totally go away at first? Because we know the pressure is going to come back. So the question is, how do we respond to that pressure so that it doesn't just crush us, it doesn't just destroy us, it doesn't cause us to buckle under the weight? Is it possible to experience peace while under pressure? Paul gives us a little insight to that. Let me read just a little bit of what Paul was dealing with and see if you can relate to any of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read just part of it, and then I'm going to go back and have you look at it with me. 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 8. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. Have you ever been there? Hard-pressed on every side, perplexed. 
man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know how to handle it. You're, you're confused. You're distraught, perplexed. He said, we are persecuted. Now, in his context, persecuted for their faith, for following Jesus and preaching Jesus, persecuted. And that's obviously one major way to look at persecution, but we can be persecuted in a lot of different ways. Anytime someone disagrees with you or doesn't see eye to eye with you and they push against you, that's a type or a form of persecution. It's pressure in a different way. Struck down, cut down. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we feel just cut down. Our legs get taken out from underneath us. That's what Paul was dealing with, that kind of pressure he was dealing with. So go back to our question, is it possible to experience peace while under that kind of pressure? I want to say the answer is yes, because listen to the rest of this verse. Let me put it on the screen now and see the parts that I skipped over. This is what he actually said. He said, we are hard pressed on every side, but not, say it with me, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not, say it with me, in despair. We are persecuted, but, say it with me, not Abandoned, last one struck down, but not, say it, destroyed. So yeah, I'm feeling this pressure and I'm dealing with this pressure. And yes, the weight is immense and I'm getting it from all sides all the time. Oh, but I'm, I'm not destroyed. I'm not crushed. I'm not in despair. I'm not abandoned. What allows him to say that? We could all agree, pressed on every side. I feel like I'm crushed. I feel like I'm persecuted. I feel like I'm struggling. We, we can identify with all those. The hard part is identifying with the other side of that. Not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, not destroyed. Paul was able to experience that level of pressure, yet also experience peace while under it. If you read down a few verses later, verse 16, he concludes in this way. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Well, that's important. Because losing heart is the point where we say, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I'm fed up. That's where the top comes off and everything comes out and we explode. We buckle and get crushed underneath the pressure. But Paul says, no, 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 no. We're dealing with the pressure, but we don't lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Listen to this part. Though outwardly we are wasting away. In other words, the pressure is real. The, the unintentional thing that tends to happen is we try to just think it away, wish it away, or in Christian terms, pray it away. Oh, it's really not that bad. We're not supposed to worry, so everything's going to be fine while I'm buckling underneath the pressure. No, no, he says, outwardly we're wasting away. The pressure's real. The difficulties are real. Yet, look at this next part, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So yes, the pressure's real. real. We're not just with positive thinking, thinking away the pressure. But there's something happening. The Holy Spirit is doing something in us internally, inwardly, that is renewing us to endure and get through that pressure day by day. Therefore, we can say we do not lose heart. Therefore, back up even further, we can say even though we're pressed on every side, we're not totally crushed down. Even though we're in this difficult time, we're not destroyed. Sure, we may be perplexed, but we're not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. goes back to... Can we experience peace while under pressure? According to Paul, not my opinion, but according to Paul and what God's word tells us throughout scripture, I think the answer is yes. It is possible. It is po possible to experience peace while under pressure. 
You glad to hear that? Is that good news this morning? Good. This is going to be the shortest sermon you've ever heard because that, that's about it right there. Good. You now know that you can experience peace while under pressure. You are dismissed. <laughs> Wouldn't be very helpful though, would it? If we just end it there, it's like, okay, that's helpful-ish, but how? We need to ask the how question. So if it is possible to experience peace while under pressure, the next question we need to ask is, that sounds great. I want that. I want to be able to say those things like Paul, but how do I get to that place? Now we're talking. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time answering. Yes, it's possible. Let's figure out how. And how we're going to figure out that answer, we're going to do something a little bit differently this morning. We're going to look at two different scriptures, two different stories, two different men of God that resulted in very, very different things. So we're going to look at two, one Old Testament, one New Testament. One, his name is Elijah. The other one is, going to, is Paul. And both of these are godly men. Understand that. Two very godly men that we would call heroes of the faith, superheroes of the faith even. Both followed God, saw God do incredible and truly miraculous things in their lives, but also in the people around them that they were serving. God used them to do amazing things. But in these two examples we're going to look at, one was able to experience peace while under pressure. The other one was not. The other example we're going to see, while there is pressure, same pressure, similar pressures, both men of God, both followed God, but one buckled and was crushed under the pressure where the other one was not. So we want to look at the differences. There's got to be something there. If one caved to the pressure and one didn't, well, let's figure out what they did differently, and that'll hopefully, hopefully give us some ways to live that out so that we can experience peace under pressure. So if you've got your Bibles, like I said, we're going to flip-flop just a little bit. First Kings chapter 19, we're going to look at Elijah first. Again, Elijah, he's a prophet, man of God. God spoke to him and through him. He was God's mouthpiece for God's people in the surrounding nations. Like I said, he did incredible things. Read chapter 18 on your own this last week to see what God did through him. Truly, he stood up to over 300 false prophets. Elijah did, by himself, stood up against all these false prophets, called God to rain fire down from heaven, and God answered it. He just finished seeing God do some amazing things. But then his life got threatened. King Ahab and his wife heard about what God was doing through Elijah and said, we're coming to kill you. His life was threatened. There's that tipping point. And Elijah crumbles under the pressure. He had done so many things right. Here's what he begins to do wrong. See if you can pick those things out. We're going to come back and look at them. Verse 3, after his life was threatened, here's where he picked it up, 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and he prayed that he might die. Quote, here's what he said to God. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Been there because of pressure? That phrase we say so often, I've had enough. The pressure's too much. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to buckle. I'm going to be crushed underneath it, hard-pressed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Elijah was feeling all of those things, yet he was crushed under it to the point where his only prayer that he could pray to God was, I'm done. I've had enough. God, let's just end this now. Now, what is kind of interesting, maybe even a little funny, if you can laugh at this, is he's running for his life under the pressure of his life being threatened, yet he asked God to take his life. 
a little funny, right? We don't think rationally. We don't speak and pray rationally when we're under that kind of pressure. I'm running for my life. The pressure's too much, so God, just take my life. Well, just let Jezebel and the king take your life, and we wouldn't be in this situation. But you see what happens there? The pressure is so much, we don't even think rationally. We don't act rationally. So let's go back and look. There's four things that he made a mistake in doing. We've talked about these before. I call them the fatal four. That leads you to a place where you say, I've had enough. Here's the four. Let me say them, and then we're going to go back and find them. Fear, exhaustion, discouragement, and loneliness. Fear, exhaustion, discouragement, and loneliness. Listen for those fatal four in the story. Elijah was afraid. Did you catch it? It's there. It it said it. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. Literally ran. Not metaphorically. He literally ran. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. There's the lonely part. Understand, at this point, he was running for his life, and he felt very alone, but he still had his servant with him that had been with him, that could speak truth into him, that was going to leave him no matter what, yet Elijah said, I need to do this alone. The one person on this earth that would have Elijah's back, Elijah said, stay there. So often under the pressure, we do irrational things like move to isolation. The people that care about us the most, we say, no, no, you can't help me in this. Church family, friends, your family, we all say, stay back. I have to deal with this on my own. Elijah did the exact same thing. Fear, loneliness. He went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Now this is after running for his life. He left his servant and went a day's journey into the wilderness. He is exhausted. He is tired beyond tired. And we all hit that point where our exhaustion takes over. We all have that wall. Now, your point of exhaustion is going to be different than my point of exhaustion, different than the person next to you. But you know when you start getting close, don't you? The blinking lights on your life's dashboard start going off. I know when I start to get to that point of exhaustion, I get very irritable. I'm a pretty go-with-the-flow guy, but all of a sudden, everything bothers me. So it's like, whoa, something's wrong. I'm getting close to that point. You all know when that is. You know when you're getting to that point. Elijah pushed through that point, and he basically collapsed under the pressure exhausted, running for his life, running from the pressure, and then put, him in, put himself in a situation where he had to give more energy by walking a day's journey into the wilderness. That last part, discouragement. When he prayed, he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. That's not true. If you look through Elijah's life, he did great things. He was speaking out of discouragement. We do that when the pressure gets to be so much, we say, oh, there's no way I can ever get out of this. I've not done anything right. I'm a terrible spouse. I'm a terrible parent. I'm terrible with my finances. I don't have a good job. I, we go on and on, and we just are discouraged. And, and it's not all true. There might be elements of truth in there, but the whole, whole list, it's not true. That is not a true statement. For Elijah to say, I'm no better than my ancestors, not true. But he was in, he was in a place of discouragement. So there's the fatal four. Fear exhaustion, discouragement, and loneliness, being alone. And it led him to a place. He positioned himself in a place where he had nothing else to say other than I've had enough and buckled and was crushed under the pressure. He did not experience peace under pressure. Agreed with that? Yeah, not at all. Great man of God followed God, but in this one situation could not handle the pressure, did not endure the pressure. Now let's look at Paul. 
Again, let's look at something different. What did Paul do differently? Paul is experiencing very similar pressure. Paul's life is also in jeopardy. In fact, when Paul wrote this, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. When Paul wrote this letter, he was under house arrest. He was constantly under guard. He was in prison waiting basically for his execution. Most likely in Rome is what we believe. So similar pressures, your life is on the line here. Yet Paul has a very, very different approach to the pressure that he is facing. Like Elijah, man of God, like Elijah dealing with some massive pressure, but his response is unbelievably different. Look at it with me. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Already it sounds completely different, doesn't it? Elijah was afraid and so he ran and here, here Paul in prison is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Look at this. And the peace of God, that's what we're looking for. And the peace of God, which transcends, which goes beyond all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now hold up there. We've got one more section that Paul's going to tell us about in a second, but hold up there for a second. Rejoice in the Lord always. Then he pulls a mom card. I'm going to say it again to make sure you heard me. I said rejoice. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll tell you, rejoice. He has approached his pressure completely differently than what we read from Elijah. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And then a very famous line, don't be anxious, but pray. And again, that's not wishing away the pressures. No, they're very real. Don't let the anxiety cripple you. Instead, pray, petition. In other words, keep praying. It's not one and done. Keep coming back and keep coming back. But don't forget the Thanksgiving part. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then that's when the peace of God covers us. Keep in mind, when it says peace of God, that's peace that God gives. It's not a peace we magically get. It's not a peace that we we earn. It's not a peace that we obtain from the world. It's a peace that God gives as a gift. Said, no, 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 here's the peace of me. And it says here that it will guard our hearts and our minds. Last part, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul says, and he's going to give a list. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He's giving a filter, isn't he? Think about these things, what to dwell your mind on. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, he says, I've been an example for you. The pressure I'm facing, the difficulties I'm facing, here's how you handle it. Lastly, and the God of peace will be with you. So we get the peace of God, but we also get the promise that the God of peace doesn't leave us. So we have the fatal four that Elijah did that ended in a place of, I can't do this anymore, and he's crushed. Now let's pull out the four things that Paul did that we might be able to apply. Call these peace under pressure the pathway to peace under pressure, however you want to think through it. Here's the four things. Let me walk through them with you. Perspective, self-control, prayer, thoughtful. Perspective, self-control, prayer, thoughtful. 
Let's explain those. Let me see if you can find them in there. From the very beginning, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, how in the world can Paul, the pressure that he's facing, say rejoice in the Lord always? I'll say it again in case you missed me, rejoice. He's in prison expecting execution, orders for execution, under constant house arrest, meaning a guard was chained to him 24-7. How can he say, I have joy in this season of my life? (laughs) Let me help you understand the perspective that he changed. Because I would imagine if you and I were in that situation, in prison, we would have a very different perspective. Why is this happening? I can't believe this is happening. God, where are you? All those things that Elijah was facing But here, Paul has a vastly different perspective. Now, this is fascinating. I love this. Same letter, just earlier on, still in Philippians, but chapter one, Paul explains his perspective on his current pressure and situation. Philippians chapter one, verse 12. Listen to this. Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being in prison in my life on the line, what has happened to me has actually, in other words, differently than what you would expect, has actually served to advance the gospel. Say again. Paul says, now listen, everybody, what's happening to me is actually a good thing for the gospel. It's actually helping. This is a good thing. And everybody's thinking, why? No, Paul, help me understand. How is that a good thing? So glad you asked. He explains. He says it actually served to advance the gospel. Look at this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Here's what that means, Paul says. He says, this is a good thing that I'm under house arrest right now because there is a guard that has to be chained to me every minute of the day. Paul has been begging God to let him preach Jesus in Rome. Now he's in Rome in prison. Paul was desperate to speak speak Jesus to the people that needed him. So now he has one chained to him every day. Paul says, this is the best news ever. You mean I get to preach to people that need Jesus and they can't go anywhere? This is awesome. He says, the entire palace guard and everyone else knows that I'm in chains for Christ. In other words, I get to preach to the people of Rome that need Jesus and they can't stop from listening to me? They can't leave? Can you imagine these guards shift change? Shift, how was it? Dude, he doesn't stop preaching. He doesn't shut up. Somebody accept Jesus, please. Somebody to get this man to be quiet. And Paul's over there like, oh, new guard, you ready? Chain me up. It's gonna be a long sermon. We're gonna be in Leviticus today. (laughs) Can you imagine his joy all because of a perspective change? All because of a perspective change. He goes on, there's a second reason, not just to make sure everybody knows who Jesus is, By the way, sometimes that's my feeling of church in the morning because you come down, it's really awkward to leave in the middle of service and so you're stuck with me till I'm done. Awesome. As a preacher, I couldn't ask for anything else for you all to be stuck while I go. So I understand where Paul's coming from. Here's the second part, verse 14. He says, and not only that, but more good news, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, because of my example, they're becoming more bold. They're becoming more confident. I'm able to actually encourage other Christians more so because of my pressure and situation. You talk about a perspective change. Changes his perspective. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. But he changed his perspective. 
That self-control part, verse five, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness is not the, the, gentleness is not weakness. It's not the opposite of strength. In fact, to be gentle requires an abundance of strength and self-control. You're not accidentally gentle. No, when the pressure builds and it gets more and more and more intense and weightier and heavier, it doesn't take much for that self-control to go out the window first. Man, you pop that top and it's over. Self-control, gentleness requires restraint. It requires strength. And here he says, in the midst of pressure, hold on to that gentleness. Fight for that gentleness. Don't lose your self-control. The prayer piece. It sounds super cliche and churchy, but may we never get tired of that being an answer. Prayer. He says, with prayer and petition, anytime you're anxious, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray. Remember back with Elijah's story, the moment he prayed was when he said, I've had enough. May you pray before you get to that point. Let me say that again. There's nothing wrong with praying Elijah's prayer. Lord, I've had enough. I don't know what else to do. I get that. But can I encourage you to pray prior to that as well? We don't have a record of Elijah praying in that moment, in that situation, in that story until he had had too, too much. Don't let prayer be your last resort your first go-to. It's not just I've had enough. It's like, no, Lord, walk me through this. Help me with this. So prayer. Don't miss prayer in those moments and those, those seasons of pressure. So prayer with thanksgiving, petition, and give your request to God. Last part. He goes through that list. It's this massive filter. He says, here's what you should think about. Whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Basically, if it's excellent or praiseworthy. Now, understand, let me give the disclaimer. This is not, again, wishing things away. This is not trying to tackle pressure with positive thinking. This is not, oh, be an optimist and everything will work out okay. No, whatever's true, and sometimes the truth is painful. Whatever's right, whatever, man, sometimes the right thing is actually more difficult. So this isn't just, ooh, be positive and wishful thinking. It says, no, here's a filter for what we dwell on, for what we allow our thoughts to dwell on. So there's thoughtful Think about your thoughts. Be thoughtful in what you allow your mind to dwell on. Here's what that does. For Paul, that put him in position to recognize a truth of God. Let me say that again. What Paul did here with the perspective change and the self-control, with the prayer, with the thoughtfulness, he put himself in position to hear the truths of God. Both men, Elijah and Paul, both knew God. Both saw God be faithful. Both saw him do amazing things. Elijah was in a position where he could not see or hear the truths of God. God, there's nothing you can do about this, so let's just end it now. I've had too much. Paul, on the other hand, was positioned in a way where he said, no, the peace of God will guard my heart. No, the God of peace will always be with me. Let's talk about that. Because you could do all those things, perspective and self-control and prayer and thoughtfulness. It doesn't guarantee everything's going to work out. What I see is it puts you in a position so that you hear and remember the truths of God, which allow you to endure. Let me help you think of it this way. So last week, we had some very rainy days, didn't we? A lot of rain, and if you're like me, most everybody was like, it's cold, it's rainy, I'm tired of the rain, when's the rain going to go away? All those things, right? Could you imagine walking outside and seeing somebody stand out in the middle of the street just saying, it's raining again. Lord Jesus, why do you hate me so? 
What have I done to deserve such rain and bad weather in my life? While they're holding an umbrella, mind you. And you almost want to say, excuse me, you have an umbrella. No, it's not good enough. It's not going to work. Don't you see the rain? I need the rain to stop. But you have an umbrella. No, you're not listening. It's the rain. It's too much. You're like, psycho, weird. <laughs> Understand, the pressure in Elijah's life and the pressure in Paul's life, neither of them changed or went away. The difference was where they positioned themselves. God, make the rain stop. I've had enough, would be what Elijah said. Paul said, perspective change, self-control, prayer, mind my thoughts positioned him a step over that allowed him to endure the pressures. The pressure did not go away. The rain does not go away. But I can endure this a little bit better. And if you position yourself in this place, you can hear the truths of God a little bit better. You remember the faithfulness of God a little bit more. It always amazes me in the story of Elijah how quickly he forgot the power of God. He did not position himself well. Paul, unbelievable pressures, positioned himself so he could hear and remember the faithfulness of God. Let me give you a couple truths in your life real quick. Under the umbrella, mind you. Because if you're not under the umbrella, if you haven't positioned yourself well, it's going to be very difficult to hear this. Psalm 46, 1 and 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, because of that truth, okay, because of that truth that our God is a refuge and our strength and ever-present trouble or help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging going on around here, but I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm positioned myself where, yeah, there's a lot of things going on, but he's my refuge. He's my strength. Last one, Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him, not from the pressure going away, from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. Last part, I will never be shaken. This is where we're shaken. Position yourself to hear the truths of God and see the faithfulness of God. For we can say, even though the pressures are there, we will not be shaken. Do me a favor, close your eyes right where you're at, just for a moment. Will you begin to identify, begin to identify the, the pressures in your life? Just put a name to it, just put a name to it. And can I just speak that truth over you in a second? He is your refuge. He is your shelter. He is your strength. Your pressure will not necessarily go away, but you will not be shaken. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have done. May we never forget your faithfulness. May we never forget the truths. 
Jesus, help us to position ourselves in a way that allows us to hear from you, even in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of pressure. Yes, we may experience peace under pressure, but may we position ourselves well so that we can receive it, so that we can be reminded of it. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen.